Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Monday, December the 27th, 2021. It is currently 3.46 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here. So, wait, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I'm sorry. I, while I was talking, I was getting notifications on my uh, on the iPad here, and I was trying to look and say, "Wait, what's going on?" Let me let me do that again. Welcome, everyone. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Monday, December the twenty seventh, twenty twenty one. It is currently three forty six p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church, located right here in the middle of. I think I was going to say nowhere, Texas. Sometimes I say Ovalo, Texas. We're in Ovalo, Texas, where currently it's 79 degrees outside. Yes, we, we, we've had a cold front come in. Yes, yesterday it was, it was 90 degrees, maybe even above 90 degrees. It, was, it, it felt like summer. Today, it's a cold, chilly, seven, no, it's not cold or chilly at all. It actually still feels like summer outside. So it's a nice warm day here in West Texas. Yes, I'm already off to a rough start. I've had so many inter- interruptions today with everything I've tried to do. My, my, we, we did a live broadcast with the Bible study exercise that got messed up because someone was pounding on the front door. Uh, every, and then I got ready to do something else. There's just been all kinds of disruptions. I go live here. And then I'm getting all kinds of notifications on my iPad that is about to die at any second. It's falling apart over here. Um, it's on its last leg. We've already talked about that in the last live broadcast. So I was like, wait a minute, I may need this iPad. I just hit here. here's what, I, I just hit the button to go live. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I, wait, what's happening on my iPad? No, 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 no. Don't, don't go. Don't go. Don't go. Don't. I, I, I have it barely hanging on. It's on live support right now. Uh, because I may need that because we may have to look some things up. And if it's gone, then I'm going to have to rethink how I do this live broadcast. But you don't, you're not here to talk about the iPad. You're not here to talk about the weather. You don't really care about any of the disruptions going on behind the scenes. I know you don't. You don't, you don't really care. I understand that. You shouldn't care. But I do like to always kind of tell you what's going on. I, I just, to me... To me, it's it's more real to just be like, hey, here's what's happening. Here's here's this disruption. I just think it's more real or I could just polish it all up, clean it all up, make it look all nice and professional. But then it's not, it's not, it's not, we're not, it's like you're just listening to someone put forth a production. And I, I like you to be like, we're part, we're, we're having a conversation where it's, it's very real, very raw. And, and hopefully you appreciate that. Some people do. Some people say, you're not professional. It's garbage. I understand. Thank you for telling me how, how much you hate it. But, um, <laughs> but that's, that's the goal. So are you ready? Here's what we, we have before us. We have The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. We have been working through this book for a very long time. We are currently in book two, chapter three, or chapter four, I should say. I'm sorry, book two, chapter four. And the chapter is called Simplicity and Purity. And it's been an absolutely convicting chapter. There is so much in this chapter to just discuss. And I'm still trying to process all the things I've already discussed, but I'm looking at the next paragraph and I, I'm being honest with you. I'm not sure exactly how I want to approach this. Part of me wants to just read the paragraph 
literally just read it and go, okay, guys, what do you think? Email me at newsif at yahoo.com and just wait for the responses. Hey, if you're a part of our Discord channel, the, the Theology Central Discord channel, tell me what you think. Part of me just wants to just throw it out there and say, hey, you tell me, but I, I have a feeling because sometimes when I do that, it kind of that kind of sets me up, right? Because I put it out there, and then sometimes people don't want to participate in the conversation or the discussion. So then I'm like, well, okay, now I, I've got to do the next part and just well, just kind of forget that I asked anyone. And I, and I don't like being put in that pers- you know position. Um, Sometimes I know, yeah, this is going to spark a conversation. Sometimes I think it will and that it will not. So I don't want to be, I don't want to create that kind of situation where there's pressure. Hey guys, please, please, you know, let me know. I I don't want to do that. So I'm going to throw this out there. But to be honest with you, it may end with me basically going, hey, here's, here's what I think. What do you think? I think maybe the only way to, to deal with this next paragraph is really everyone putting their minds together and working on it because I've stated it so many times in working through the book, The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. One of the difficult things about the book is that in many cases, it's just written almost like a stream of consciousness. Like, here's a thought, here's a thought, here's a thought, but he doesn't necessarily unpack the thought. He doesn't necessarily interpret or explain the thought. He doesn't really, he just gives the thought without necessarily any explanation or commentary. So you're just sitting there looking at it going, that sounds very profound, but I don't really know exactly what you meant, Thomas. Hey, could you, could you give me a call, Thomas? Obviously he can't, you know, he's, I mean, the book was written over 500 years ago. So obviously that's not going to occur, but there's times I'm just like, I wish I knew what he was thinking because it's hard to wrap our minds around. And I think this next paragraph is going to fall into that. So here's what we're going to do. We've been taking this chapter, chapter four. We've been taking it extremely slow. We've just been like small paragraphs, small paragraphs, just like one paragraph at a time, just because I think the content here is so weighty and so significant. So I, I hope I hope that you will just allow me to go slow again because I just think that we really need to give, if we don't really meditate on this and think about it, if we don't really allow these thoughts to, to formulate in our brain, I think we, we are missing out here. So here we go. I'm going to start back at the beginning. Chapter four, book two, The Imitation of Christ, Thomas Akempis. Here we go. By two wings, a man is lifted up from things earthly. All right, so, so we all agree as Christians, we are, not, we are not of the world. We are not to love the things that are in the world. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. We are not to be worldly. We all can agree with that. So what can lift us up from worldliness or being a part of this world? What are the two wings that will lift us up? And according to Thomas Akempis, the two wings, the two things that will lift you up are simplicity and purity. Simplicity and purity. And we, we kind of gave this idea that simplicity is where we don't, we don't add so much that we cannot be simple and our focus, or as he's going to say, 
and our intention. In other words, our intention, what we are committed to, what we're dedicated to do should always be simple. We should keep it simple. I am committed to God's glory. I'm committed to the Great Commission. I'm committed to his word. We don't need to to add so much that we lose that simplicity. Everything becomes convoluted, confused, and there's just so much that we cannot have any simplicity in our intention. Our intentions are in our commitments are so spread out that we have very little left for the things of God, right? So let's go through this. So simplicity and purity. Purity, remember, I, I really emphasize, we can't see purity simply in regards to the subject of sex. Purity goes beyond that. Purity is where we are, is conformity to God's will. It's conformity to God's holiness. It's, a, a, it's conformity to God's word in thought and heart and in action. And we, we spent a lot of time about that. So let's read this again. By two wings, a man is lifted up from things earthly, namely by simplicity and purity. Simplicity ought to be in our intention, purity in our affection. So in our intentions, simplicity. That's what we're focused on. That's what we're committed to affection. That's what we have a love for. And that's got to be pure in the sense that our affection should be to God and to him alone. Simplicity tends towards God. Purity apprehends and tastes him. Then the paragraph we studied last time, no good action will hinder you if you be inwardly free from inordinate affection. If you intend and seek nothing else but the will of God and the good of your neighbor, you shall thoroughly enjoy inward liberty. Now, I don't even feel like we scratched the surface on that one, but I haven't received a lot of emails in regards to it. So I'm just going to let it stay and not add any other thoughts to it. All right. So those that's paragraph one, paragraph two. Now we come to paragraph three. Thinking caps on. Here we go. This is some... Really powerful stuff. If your heart were right, every creature would be a mirror of life and a book of holy doctrine. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sitting here in an empty sanctuary. It may be, it may be this, there's not a cloud in the sky outside. It's beautiful outside, beautiful, warm, just, it's just a beautiful day outside. But as soon as I read that, it's like, it gets cloudy. It gets dark. And I'm like, not dark in a sense, like, you know, something bad. It gets dark and like, wait a minute, what is he trying to say? I don't know if I can see it. It's like all of a sudden a dark cloud comes over, not because of anything ominous, anything bad, but dark in the sense that, okay, I don't see the light of what he's trying to say. Now, maybe you see it and I don't, but I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. So let's try this again. So if your heart were right, if your heart is right spiritually, then, so only until your heart is right spiritually, then at that moment, every creature would be a mirror of life and a book of holy doctrine. If my heart is right, then I see everything as a book of doctrine. What does Thomas Akempis mean by that? If my heart is right, then everything is a mirror of life. 
I'm going to read the next part. I'm going to read the next part. There is no creature so small and mean that it does not set forth the goodness of God. So according to Thomas Akempis, if my heart is right, I see everything. I see every creature, every creature in a very different way than I may see that creature. If my heart, if my heart is not right, I see every creature differently than when my heart is right spiritually. So if your heart is right spiritually, you see every creature in a different way. If my heart is right, I see an ant. I see any kind of bug or insect. I see a spider. I see a bird. I see a sparrow. I see a hawk. I see an eagle. I see a deer. I see a wild hog or a wild pig. I've, I've got a story about that in, in a minute. And, and because here in West Texas, we, we're having them. It's like the apocalypse. It's like some some crazy movie where there's wild hogs everywhere. Because the other night, I'm walking out of the church here by myself, Yeah, I thought I was about to die. I'll I'll tell you about that in just a minute. But his point is, I would see all of them not like someone whose heart isn't right. So let me ask you, if, if your heart is right spiritually, have you ever experienced a place in your life that spiritually your heart was in such a good place spiritually that it had a profound impact in how you saw every creature in his own words uh, no matter how small or mean, no matter how insignificant that you see in them, as he says it, the goodness of God. In other words, and no matter no matter the kind of creature, you somehow see God in it. That, that, that's that's a very important question. Let me, let me now add something to this. Has your heart ever been so right spiritually that you, in a sense, see God even in the very face of people who hate you, spit upon you, persecute you, lie about you, gossip, slander, and they seem more committed to your destruction than they do your restoration or your spiritual success. They seem more about bringing you down than lifting you up. Can you still see God in that? Can you see God in the face of a criminal, of someone who's guilty of some horrible thing, or all can, all you can see is the smallness, the meanness, the, the vileness of said creature? Is, is there a balance here? So, so let, me, let me read this to you again. If your heart were right, then every creature would be a mirror of life. Every creature would be a mirror of life if your heart was right. I'm, I'm, I'm looking right now. I have a different translation of uh, the imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis, and I don't currently have it. This is one of the situations I wish I would have brought it with me, but I do not. We're definitely going to have to come back to this paragraph because I'm trying to figure out what does it mean, a mirror of life? 
When I look at other creatures, if my heart is right, I see in them a mirror of life. Let me, let me, let me try. I'm, I'm going to try. And now some of this is speculating because remember, Thomas Akempis doesn't always explain what he means. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. And I may be trying to explain this before I, I should probably read the rest and then try to explain it. But, I, but I, I like to take us through the thinking process, okay? So I may have to modify some of this, but let me just throw out some ideas. All right, I'm still, the, the doctrine, the book of holy doctrine, I think, I think I can do something with that, but this mirror of life, all right, let, let's just throw this out there. No matter what creature I see, no matter who, whatever I see, I should see a mirror of life, meaning that I see the existence of the very kind of life that I have. They were given life. I have life. That I, that I see in them someone created in the image of God like I see myself. They were granted life. I was granted life. They probably don't. We, none of us deserve life. It's a gift of God. It's because of God's mercy and grace that we even breathe. But they, they, do I see in them a reflection of the image of God? And do I see in them the gift of life? Or do I just see in them people who either make me happy, people who either help me, or people who hurt me, people I like, people I dislike, people who annoy me, people who bother me? Or do I see in people, even in the smallest animal, Life Now, in an animal, obviously, I would not see, in a sense, the image of God because man is creating the image of God. But I still see the gift of life. I still see that that animal has been granted life by the creator. Do I see the gift of life in that animal or do I just see an animal that who cares? Now, I know what some people are going to say, oh, this is that liberal animal rights stuff. Okay, just calm down. And I don't know, and, I, and people get offended because I use a Southern accent. It's just growing up in the South, people, there was a lot of people around in, 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 in the South at times who really treat animals. And I would think, I, I think a questionable way is the nicest way I could say. In some cases, just absolutely abhorrent and horrible the way they sometimes view and treat animals. I can't speak for people who live in other parts of the country because I grew up here, well, in Texas, okay? So sometimes I've seen some pretty messed up stuff. I've read plenty of stories of people doing horrible things elsewhere. Here, I've more witnessed it. Other places, I've only read about it. So, all right, but here we go. So I think this makes some sense. If my heart is right with God, then every creature becomes a mirror of life. I see they. I see the, the life I possess, they have. I know I am not the creator of that life. God is the creator of that life. He's given me that life. He sustains that life. He upholds that life. And he appoints how long this life will be possessed by me. And when I look at every creature, they are a book of holy doctrine. Every creature, there's a book, a book of holy doctrine. Think of it this way. And every creature, what do I see? Well, I see a creator. I, I, and all humans, I see the image of God. I see the goodness of God. I see mercy. I see grace. They're breathing. I, I see uh, the existence of God's wisdom and power. When I look at all of creation, I see the reality of sin. When I look into other people, every person, in other words, I see people beyond just how they relate to me. I, I think that's what he's, I think this is what he's trying to say. If my heart is right with God, I don't view people 
in terms of what they do for me or how they hinder me or how they annoy me. I see people and animals in a far deeper way, in a more spiritual way. In other words, if my heart is right with God, my perception of people and even animals is there's a more spiritual perception, not the very earthly, fleshly, well, what have you done for me lately? What can you do for me today? I see something deeper. I can't say I'm, I always, I can't say I experience that all the time because I have a tendency to see people and, and everything in a more fleshly way. There is no creature so small and mean that it does not set forth the goodness of God. No matter what you see, you see the goodness of God because they exist. They breathe. They're not in hell. That's God's goodness. That's God's grace. That's God's mercy that they're, they're breathing. You should see the goodness of God. If you were inwardly good and pure, then you would be able to see and understand all things well without hindrance. A pure heart penetrates heaven and hell. If you truly have a pure heart, if you truly, in other words, you could really build this as a logical progression. If you truly have simplicity in your intentions, pure purity in your affections, if you truly have that in your heart, then you would be able to see and understand all things well without hindrance. What, what hinders us in seeing things from a spiritual standpoint is that we do not have simplicity in our intentions and we do not have purity in our affections. Therefore, the way we perceive things, we do so from a more earthly basis and a fleshly basis than a spiritual basis. Do you truly see things well? I know, I know we like to, we like to think that we can, right? We, but I, I just, I've got to give you, I got to give you some examples. I got to give you some examples, all right? Because I got to try to make, make this make sense, sense. In fact, I may have a news article. Oh, do I still have it? I may have a news article that actually fits perfectly with this. Okay, maybe, may have saw it today on the Christian Post. Okay, give me a second. See if I can find it because it fits perfectly with this. See, see here. Um, see here. Give me a second. Uh, no. Oh, I may not have it. Oh, let me look, 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 look. Oh. Okay. There's uh, all kinds of stuff going on here. I may not have it. Oh, that's disappointing. Basically, it was a discussion. I'm going to have to paraphrase it. Give me one second because this could this could work so well. No, I don't have it. Okay, it was this amazing article dealing with the fact that the that conservatives, oh wait, here it is. Here it is. No, yes. The conservative movement faces a critical decision. The conservative movement faces a critical decision. 
This past few weeks have highlighted a new direction in which the conservative movement is going. Now, I'm going to bring this up because the conservative movement for many Christians is basically Christianity. It's like I'm I'm conservative is almost more of an identity than their Christianity. Their Christianity is identified by their conservative political leanings, okay? So it says, over the weekend, Kyle Rittenhouse appeared at Turning Point USA's American Fest and received an introduction that would make a professional wrestler jealous. And they talked about how this, how he was so introduced and there was almost the way people acted. Donald Trump Jr. questioned whether conservative Christians should continue to turn the other cheek because it has gotten us nothing. All right. Then we have had a few weeks ago, a Colorado representative uh, cracking a joke uh, about their about another representative being a suicide bomber because she's Muslim. All right. And we can go on and on and on and read about all of these horrible examples where pe- people say things that are horrible, they're wrong, and they are not Christian. And the reason I think many Christians do this is because we are not seeing things correctly. Something is hindering the way we view things. I've talked about it so many times. If, if I turn on American Family Radio, I think at around starting at 10 a.m., Monday through Friday, especially between 10 and 11, or it may be 1030 to 1130. They have a program called Today's Issues, and it's a group of of white, older Christian men talking about current events. And in many cases, they they just they they will say these derogatory jokes and and things about Biden or the vice president or you name it or Pelosi. And at times it's just so, it's like there's nothing godly about it. In other words, they don't see in these people the goodness of God. They don't see a mirror of life. All they see in these people is my political enemy or I don't like their policy so I can I can speak derogatory of them. I can speak, I can mock them. I can mock their laugh. I can mock their look. I can mock their hair. I can mock maybe maybe the lack of, like many, you've seen many conservative Christians do this as well, mock possibly President Biden's mental capacity that he may, maybe he's losing to some, he's had some, there's been some, how can we say it, loss of, Mental ability. I, I think that's, a, I think, a halfway decent way of stating it. That he's been diminished in some ways mentally because of his age. And, and it's almost like mocked. It's almost made fun of. Well, the world may do that, but that's not a place for Christians. We see into that person. We see beyond his politics. We see beyond a person, their politics, their policies. We see beyond that. And we see that person, the image of God is there, even though marred by sin, it is there. They have a life given to them by God. They were created by God. They, their existence shows God's mercy and grace. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't disagree with the policy. Doesn't mean that we cannot speak negatively of the policy doesn't mean that we cannot condemn a policy it means that we we see beyond the policy that when we look at the person we see beyond it we see beyond the 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 issue that we have and we see into the person when our hearts are wrong we are hindered in seeing things correctly when our hearts are wrong we don't see the image of god in people we see people. 
We see enemies. We see people who irritate us. We see people who either will give us what we want or not give us what we want. We see someone that I'm angry with, someone I'm upset with, someone who hurt me, someone whom I cannot forgive, someone who I'm bitter against. But when my heart is right, I see beyond pain, unforgiveness. I see a person creating the image of God a person who's breathing because God has shown mercy and grace to that person, a person who possesses the same life that I have been given. They have life. I've heard Christians just say absolutely ridiculous things in regards to political, especially when it comes to politics and mock people and say, and, and, and they act like that somehow they're godly. I'm like, there's nothing godly about that. It's ungodly behavior. And I've heard, heard it happen from the pulpit. For example, you, there may be some preacher that you cannot stand. Well, condemn their doctrine, condemn their theology. Don't attack their looks or their speaking ability or their hair or their smile or their laugh. Leave them alone. You're not a schoolyard bully. You're supposed to be a Christian. Now, listen, I don't speak of this in some way that I have arrived. I'm a sinner sitting in front of a microphone. I can get, I can say some pretty cruel things when I get provoked. I'm an ungodly person just like anyone else. So I'm preaching this to myself. I, I, I've already said, I don't know if my heart's ever been right like this, but it's something to consider. Maybe our perceptions, listen, before we can have a correct perception, we have to have purity of heart. We have to have simplicity in our intentions and purity in our affections or we are hindered in seeing things accurately. That's, that's pretty good. I'll, I'll just speak in regards to an animal. All right, so I can't remember which night it was. It's late, it, it, and I'm out here in the middle of nowhere, Texas. It gets dark. I, I, I go and put most everything in the car. I think I've got my phone, everything. I've already put it in the car. I'm packing everything up to go home. And I come back into the church one last time, make sure the lights are off, make sure thermostat is set and make sure everything is, you know, put, put away halfway decent in the church. And then I go to the door, I turn off all the lights in the sanctuary, it's pitch black. I lock the door, I close the door, I walk right out the front door, take a right, and I turn the corner. And as I turn the corner, staring at me with these eyes of death is this wild pig, wild hog. Now, in my mind, it, it looked like, you know, the size of an elephant. I know that's hyper hyperbole, but it, it's like, you know, it like, it looked, it was big. Okay. I don't know how big, but it was way too big that I didn't any, want to do anything to do with it. And I just froze. And I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And you could hear the thing, right? You could just hear it. And it's like, it was just, it was just staring at me. Like at any moment, it was going to come charging at me. And I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And all I could think about that, that thing wants to kill me. I don't know if it was true or not true. I don't, I know you could say, well, it was probably more afraid of you than you of it. I, I would really call that into question, but I'm sitting there just staring at this thing going, what am I going to do? So I just kind of, I freeze. I just freeze, try to make no sudden movements. I take like a step back. I'm like, okay, there's the car. I have no way I can make it over to the driver's side. I hope the passenger side is open. So I just kind of little sidestep, little sidestep. 
I can hear that. I hear, and it's like it takes an it it takes another step towards me, and I'm like, oh no 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 no, and I get over, and I'll, I I kind of reach over, quiet, pull, grab the door handle, the door opens, I jump in the car, slam the door, and it's like, and then the thing kind of comes running up right in front of the car. I crawl over to the driver's seat, start the car, back up, and I'm like, I'm out, I'm gone, I'm leaving this thing alone. I want nothing to do with it. Now at that moment. And I'm not saying that I should have looked at it going, look at that, a beautiful creature created by God. I see a mirror of life in it at that moment. I see the wonderful goodness of God and giving life to this wild, crazed hog who wants to kill me, right? At that moment, I did not see that. At that moment, I was thinking, it wants to kill me. What can I do? What should I do? I need to get away from it. Now, I'm not saying... That we should be spiritual and go, oh, look, let me, let me just get down on the ground and let the wild pig rip my head off. I'm not, I'm not saying that we should do that. I'm saying that that's at least serves as an illustration of how we view everything. We view everything in light of either what it does against me or what it will do for me, what I can gain from it or what I can gain from getting away from it, not having a relationship with it and moving away from it. Everything is viewed and what it does for me. Everything is, is I see the world and how it relates to me instead of seeing the world in relation to God. I see people not in, not in relation to them being a creature of God with the image of God. I see them and how they are perceived to my advantage or disadvantage. And, and, and even though we may not be so crass in saying this, how can I either use them or get rid of them? And, and we may not say it that way, but there's a little bit in that. There's a little, and it shows up in Christianity too. I, I've talked about before being a young you know, person who wanted to be in ministry and would, would go to those conferences in many cases, don't even get me started on Christian conferences and thinking that maybe I could talk to these pastors and maybe they could help me and show me what to do to get in the ministry. And it was like, they didn't have the time of day for me because they were all networking among other pastors talking about, well, how big is your church? Well, brother, I got 300 on Sunday. And, and it's like all trying to, how can they get to know each other for what? their betterment, possibly their good. How could they advance their ministry? I've talked about it before and it's still just, and it shouldn't bother, it shouldn't bother me, but it does even to this day. A new pastor comes to Abilene, calls me saying, hey, I'm a new pastor in town. I'm getting to know, I just want to get to know pastors and I'm calling them, you know, inviting them to lunch. And so I'd like to invite you to lunch. And I'm like, okay, well, hey, that could, and my wife was like, that could be really cool. You could get to know another pastor and maybe develop a friendship. That could be good for you. And I'm like, you know what? That probably could be. So I go out to eat with the person. He asked me all kinds of questions about the church. Oh man, I'm thinking he's super interested. I'm like, oh, this could be good. It sounds like theologically we're on the same page. Maybe his church and I church, my church could do something. I'm thinking all of these ideas. We leave, never hear from him again. Never calls me, never hear another thing from the person ever again. Oh, but slowly but surely, People in my church end up at that church. <laughs> he never calls me to say, hey, people are leaving your church. No, 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 no. He figures out who, what, it's almost like he figured out the who, what, where, when, and then use it to, to, to his advantage, no matter what it did for my church. Who cares what it does for your church? 
That to me seems, now I can't assign what, what actually occurred. Well, see, the problem is it made me mad. So now I viewed that person as someone who hurt me, not someone who's creating the image of God. He has the same life that I, I saw that that person is negative. That person hurt. That person wasn't there to help. People who have gossiped and slandered me, people who I talk to on the phone to confess sin and then ask them for help, saying they will help me, hangs up the phone and calls every person they know to tell them what I supposedly did, even though whether how they described it, don't know if they gave all the facts or not all the facts, but they, but they didn't ever call, call me back to help. They never called to check on me. They never called to see how I was doing. Never again. I had that many times, people calling me out, you know, to try to find out what happened and then never call me again. Never called me. No, who cares? Who cares? And then they're all talking to other people about me. See, guess what? I view those people as being pain. They, they hurt me. They're my enemy. But see, that's all wrong. If my heart was pure, they're, they're people creating the image of God. They're, 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 they're a mirror of life. They're a book of doctrine. Now, it doesn't mean you excuse behavior. Behavior still has to be held accountable. In other words, you condemn the behavior, but you want to condemn the behavior in order to help the person. You want to still see the person as someone who deserves, you have to love, whether they're your enemy or whether they're just your neighbor, you have to love them. But I think our perception is greatly hindered because our, I'm going to say it this way, our perception I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to, uh, let me see if this works. The quality of my perception and how I see people, even how I see life is dependent on the simplicity of my intention and the purity of my affection. The quality of my perception is determined by the simplicity in my intention and the purity of my affection. We definitely know we don't see life from the perspective of God. I think we can all agree that that's a biblical concept. Why do we not? Because our hearts are not always right. And that lack of simplicity in my intention and a corruption of that purity of my affection leads me to see people incorrectly, seeing everything from an incorrect perspective. Life, relationship, people, everything. Now, I'm going to stop right there. I, I, I could go on to the next paragraph. Um, see here. I've got to find out where we are. That's book. See, that's book. Here it is. Here's book uh, two, chapter four. And he stops with. Yeah. I, oh, I'm just going to read the next line. Such as everyone is inwardly, so he judges outwardly. The way you are inwardly will determine how you judge everything outwardly. Your outward judgment says more about you inwardly than the things you are judging outwardly. Wow. I'm just going to stop right there. I guess what I'll, I guess, I guess I will do this. I'm going to read the whole paragraph one more time. If your heart were right, then every creature would be a mirror of life and a book of holy doctrine. There is no creature so small and mean that it does not set forth the goodness of God. If you were inwardly good and pure, 
then you would be able to see and understand all things well without hindrance. A pure heart penetrates heaven and hell, such as everyone is inwardly, so he judges outwardly. There is The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis. I cannot wait to get your thoughts on that and see if you agree or disagree. Now, remember, we don't have to agree with everything Thomas Kempis has to say. We don't believe he's infallible or inspired. But these are are very important spiritual thoughts for us to consider and then see how they would apply biblically. You can give me your thoughts. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I'm going to stop right there. Everyone have a great day. I hope that something in the chaos of this day has been beneficial. I apologize for all the crazy things that's happened. The first broadcast started with pounding on the door. Then we had to do, we had to do that one over. Then this one started with, as soon as I go live, I'm getting weird notifications on my iPad, thinking my iPad's about to just go away and stop working. And then I'm fearful that, wait a minute, if I have to look anything up. But through all of that disruption, through all of that confusion, hopefully what we've done this afternoon has been spiritually beneficial. All right, I'll stop right there. Everyone have a great day. God bless.